Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does your morning sound like? Goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage egg and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting, NDT Scouting, NFL and NFL Draft Analyst for FanRag Sports. I am joined by Joe Marino, also of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports. And we have some time at the water cooler today. We're going to just kind of catch you guys up on what life's been like since the last time you heard from us on Monday. Uh, which we recorded on Sunday before the wild and crazy ending of week one of the college football season. Um, I'd like to throw the, f- the formal invitation out to you guys now. Uh, if you're listening to the show, if you're new to the show, th- first of all, thank you very much. Uh, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to the Draft Dudes podcast, where every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, we bring takes. We bring uh, uh, some... A pretty healthy film grinder work ethic. So, uh, Joe, I don't think I'm stretching when I say it seems that we, uh, we're we we're always bringing new opinions every week. We're not that podcast or that, that group of guys that's going to talk about the same 15 guys. Like, everybody knows the household names. And it's fun in some regard to talk about those guys. But uh, at least for me personally, some of the other joys of the job include finding guys that people aren't talking about. Yeah, no question about it. And I, I think uh, if you if you look back over the last year of podcasting and, and, and the amount of names that we brought to the table between, you know, the beginning of September and the draft uh, at the end of April, you know, our listeners were well prepared for that draft. And we're going to do it again. We're going to be here again for the people all the way through that pro- that process and, and 
with that said, happy anniversary, man. Oh, you beat me to it. I was just getting Did... ready to blitz you with that. Well, once in a while, I got to steal Kyle Krabs Thunder. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is a nine five. Was our one year anniversary of doing a podcast together? Yes, just short of two hundred episodes, Joe. What is? I mean, that's got to be some stupid amount of hours. Uh, yeah, it's it's over a hundred hours of podcasting. Which uh, I man, I guess is you're my work husband. I suppose there's no <laughs> other way to look at it. Oh, yeah, we got to call it what it is. Yeah. Oh, man, we are. Wow, work husband. Wow. Yeah, That's great. We're attached at the hip, man. Great. Hey, hey, we're good together, I, I think. I think the people keep listening. People keep uh, yeah, giving us opportunities to do this. So, <laughs> no, hey, we'll, we'll keep doing it until they kick us out, yeah, right? Nobody's fired either one of us, so we must be doing something right. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. so hey, good stuff. Here's to another great year, yeah, man. Yeah, that's right. Here's to another year. Um, Joe, speaking of doing a good job, I think I saw four – three or four pieces of content from you centered around this game that you were at on uh, Monday night that some people may have heard of. Uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff, right? Yes. Georgia Tech and Tennessee. Why don't you tell us what that experience was like? This was your first scheduled college football game that you were credentialed to attend. Is that correct? Yeah. Not including the the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl doesn't count. It's not a real college football game. Wow, hey, hey, yeah. So this was my my first one um, hitting the road, and got a lot lot planned for the rest of the year. Uh, but yeah, this was a good one. Got to uh, get into Atlanta, and and uh, obviously the big draw of Mercedes Benz Stadium. Man, that thing is uh, is just beautiful. It's a it's a great place to watch a football game. The layout of the stadium's terrific, and obviously the concessions. Everything is just beautiful, and uh, they they treat the media well there. And and so we were we were well taken care of, and. Uh, got a chance to sit front row with the press box and uh, rub it in <laughs> and take in this football game. And man, it, it was uh, just a thrilling game, right? I mean, double overtime comes down to a, a blocked field goal to put it into overtime and then a failed two point conversion after double overtime to give Tennessee the win. And, and uh, just, a, just an exciting football game it was great to capture some good storylines. Obviously I, I, you know, I think there's two big ones. The, from the Georgia Tech side of things, you know they they went into this game with four quarterbacks listed as their starters, and and Paul Johnson was not going to to tip his his hand and, and let us know who the starting quarterback was until Taquan Marshall trotted out there. He was the third quarterback last year and only played in fourteen snaps for the entire season. Well, you know he he had uh, just a, a debut for the ages. He broke the Georgia Tech. Uh, record for rushing touchdowns in a game with five. Uh, he, he set the quarterback rushing record with 249 yards. He carried the ball 44 times. He's 5'10", 185, and, and of course, Georgia Tech runs the option. So uh, Against you know, an SEC big... defense, nonetheless. They ran the ball 86 times, Kyle, 86 times. Uh, it just... Uh, just incredible with uh, uh, you know what what he was able to withstand early in the season. I mean, this that guy does not feel good right now. I, I promise you, he uh, he he's uh, in the cold tub today for sure. But I mean, uh, what can you say, man? I mean, the guy just went out and, and and executed the option to precision, made great decisions. I mean, I think more so than the 249 rushing yards and the five touchdowns, it's that this team played such great situational football. Uh, You look at the time of possession. They had the ball for 41 minutes uh, compared to 18 minutes, and then they had uh, their third down proficiency was outstanding where they were 13 of 18 on third down. So he just 
was making great decisions and making big plays. And I know this is a draft podcast and talking about an option quarterback might not be that sexy, but what this guy did demands our conversation and mention here on the show, because it was historic. And, you know, you talk, start talking about him replicating this type of success. If he does this, you know, Taquan Marshall is going to be a Heisman candidate just based on numbers alone. You, you won't be able to ignore it. Uh, so, you know, definitely with Darren Thomas moving on, uh, Georgia Tech's got their guy now at, at, uh, at quarterback. Now let's talk about this game from an NFL draft perspective. And, and uh, for me, that starts with, with uh, Tennessee volunteer running back, John Kelly, yeah. man. Uh, I, you know, I don't have anything to drink in front of me, uh, but I know if, uh, if I did, I'd be sipping some tea really obnoxiously like you like to do on the show. Be- thank you. Thank you. That's uh, appreciate you. you that was water, by the there. way. That was water. Okay. Yeah, hey, you never know when you're sipping tea. Sometimes it's coffee. I think it was, I think it's been some whiskey one time, uh, lemonade. So you never know what Kyle Krabs is drinking, but he's always drinking something. That's something we do know. It's never water. It's never really water. I though. just told you it was uh, water. John Kelly, man. I I know, but that's that's very uncharacteristic because you don't <laughs> please, drink water. Please tell me why you're sipping water on John Kelly. Well, uh, I wrote about him before the before the game. I think it was Thursday. I did an article yeah. for NDT Scouting where. I took some time to prepare for this game, you know, getting familiar with the personnel and what these schemes like to do. And, and you could really help but ignore John Kelly and the way he runs the football. He's a soft uh, junior this year. And he's just one of those dudes that runs mad, you know, just tough to tackle. He's got a low center of gravity, terrific balance. Uh, he's aggressive. I mean, this dude, he's probably going to have to change his style a little bit because, you know, he's not going to be able to have a long career uh, with, with the way that he likes to just plow into people. Uh, but he he's just as competitive runner as you'll see, kind of in that Marshawn Lynch type of style. But he's not big, right? He's like five nine, two oh eight. So he's a guy that is a compact guy, but he is physical and tough to tackle. And and then he he still offers those elusive traits in that burst. And you know, he had a sensational game, uh, one hundred and twenty. Uh, yeah, 128 yards, four touchdowns on 19 carries, uh, caught five passes out of the backfield. And, and you know, you can just – you can tell, you know, even Butch Jones after the game, he, he talked about how John Kelly sparked him. And that type of competitive toughness that he plays the game with was was big for Tennessee. And then uh, you look at uh, another player that really kind of emerged, Marcus Callaway, a wide receiver. He had 115 receiving yards and two touchdowns in the second half. After Jawan Jennings, you know, I think he had a wrist injury. He's going to be out like 12 weeks. And, and so uh, it, that was their big receiver. And Callaway, I saw him on the on the field pregame. I thought he kind of had like a, a, a Julio Jones-type build with the way that he's put together, super long arms, muscular build. Uh, you can tell he's got uh, good proportion throughout his frame in terms of muscle definition. And then he gets on the field and, you know, he's making contested catches. He's creating yards after the catch. And those two guys on a volunteer offense that lost its starting quarterback, its leading rusher, its leading receiver from last year, uh, those guys really stepped up big in a game where it felt like Georgia Tech had control, which, I mean, they certainly did. They 42 minutes with the ball. Uh, they ran uh, 96 plays over 600 yards. You know, for those guys to show up in big moments, I think that really speaks to those guys' playmaking abilities. So uh, I think we got a couple guys here to focus in on with Tennessee, mainly John Kelly and Marquez Callaway, who's actually just a sophomore, so he's not eligible. But keep an eye on this guy. See how he progresses. He could be one of those guys we talk about next year as a potential big receiver prospect. Good stuff, Joe. So I, I guess my last question surrounding this game on Monday for you. Tell me about the press box food. <laughs> Uh, what do you think it was, Kyle? What do you think it was? Chick-fil-A. I was at the, 
Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's you good. know that's interesting, right? So they had endless chicken sandwiches, right? So you know the, you, that's what you would expect. But the sides were uh, were Spanish rice and uh, uh, cheese enchiladas. So cheese enchiladas, I, nice. I don't, I, I don't know how that uh, got slapped together, but I'm okay with it. It was delicious. And then, oh man, the warm Chick Fil A chocolate chip cookies at halftime. You man. sound you sound like you did pretty well for yourself. Yeah. All in all, cool. very successful trip. Successful trip, and uh, I guess I, I've, I've already announced uh, this weekend I'll be at Virginia, uh, Charlottesville, to see Virginia versus Indiana, which I think is going to be a low-key, really good football game uh, in terms of the competitive components of this game, but also from a draft perspective where both teams have their slew of prospects. We'll get into that probably on Friday, but uh, excited to get out there this weekend for another credentialed visit. Can't wait to hear Joe's takes on Simi Cobbs and uh, Andrew Brown. To gray scales and quarterback Lego. I'm excited. Yeah, see, there's, there's more prospects there than we can count on one hand. And that's a oh, win. Oh, Kaiser landing. Yeah, it's man, a it's win. Be good. That's, that's a great win. All right, yes. so I didn't do anything on Monday. I actually, to be completely honest with you, I didn't even watch the game until today. I took the day off. Uh, it was a very comprehensive weekend for me for NDT Scouting <laughs> and Fanrack Sports. So, Say the least. Um. On Sunday, I took a trip down to FedEx Field and uh, watched the West Virginia Mountaineers and Virginia Tech Hokies renew a uh, about a decade-long dormant rivalry for the Black Diamond Trophy. And although it wasn't as thrilling as a 42-41 double overtime game, this was a pretty damn good game. I was really, really pleased with the performance of both teams, I thought both teams played hard. They opened things up in the second half. There was great coaching adjustments being made. Um, a couple guys that really caught my eye. First, got to get my bottle of water again because i got to talk about Will Greer here on the show, Joe. <laughs> uh, Will Greer threw for over 370 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, looked really good. You know, the comparison, I, the, the player I keep coming back to, I see a lot of Baker Mayfield here where he can be successful outside of the structure of the initial route combinations. Uh, and, and he's effective. He's not as quick or loose or fluid as Baker is, but he can make things happen, extending plays from the pocket. And uh, you saw some of that, especially in the two minute drill when West Virginia was trying to come down and tie the game, they were down 31 to 24. And in the last two minutes, Will actually took off twice with his legs and at one point hurdled a defender uh, to get a first down on third down. So um, Will had a really nice game specifically in the second half. Um, Threw with some anticipation. um, Had some point-and-shoot moments in the first half where like, he had to be looking down the barrel of the gun of a throw in order to pull the trigger and throw it. But as he, you could tell, he kind of knocked the rust off and he loosened up. And he played confident. He was putting ball over top of defenders' helmets up the seam. And uh, uh, this wide receiver that he kept finding, Jennings, for West Virginia, uh, his his name is Gary. Uh, Gary Jennings. He's, I believe, a junior. Um, so he, he is draft eligible, I believe. Um, but he was the big play guy. And I thought it was interesting because early on in the game, uh, David Sills, another wide receiver, was the go-to target. He was kind of the chain mover. 
the first touchdown went to him, which is what I thought was one of Greer's best throws. Obviously, the 60-plus yarder to Jennings, uh, when he went right up the seam, identified a mismatch and put the ball uh, right on top of the defender's helmet and let Jennings pluck it off and make a big catch and run. Uh, was a great illustration of identifying a mismatch with your skill guy, throwing accurately to put it there and letting him make a play. But the Sills play, uh, the corner, this was down inside the 10. Uh, Greer gets hit big on the throw, but just before he throws, he lets a touch throw that he pretty much drops on the near side pylon. And why that was impressive to me is Sills was turning back inside and the defender, the cornerback, was leveraged on the inside. So he threw it on the far side of Sills to make him make the adjustment because it was physically impossible for the defensive back to work his way over there. And Sills it turns, flips the other way and makes a nice catch. So uh, the passing game for West Virginia, big surprise. They're going to have a lot of success this year. This was probably one of the best defensive backfields that they'll face all year. Um Adonis Alexander and Brandon Fakeson are, are two corners there, both draft eligible. Fakeson's a, a redshirt senior. Adonis Alexander is a junior. Uh, both these guys are tall and long. Fakeson's listed, I believe, 6'2", and Adonis Alexander's actually listed 6'3". Uh, so super rangy guys. Both made some nice plays uh, in the trail position, kind of high-pointing and contesting on push, passes that were pushed down the field. Uh, but I really like what I saw from Alexander as a tackler, specifically in some some zone situations with his eyes into the backfield, peeling off of his own stem and uh, attacking short throws that were happening in front of him and making those tackles in open space uh, was a spot that I thought he did really well. Uh, the other big defensive prospect for the Hokies is Tremaine Edmonds, the junior linebacker. He's listed 6'5", 250. He is a big boy. Um, but he impressed me with his ability to get out in space. There were a couple reps against Justin Crawford, the running back for West Virginia, uh, where Edmonds actually carried like wheel routes down the field and ran in stride with Justin Crawford. Uh, so that, to me, uh, he didn't have a big game in between the tackles. You know, he had a lot of trash thrown at him, and he had to sort his way through a lot of traffic. But that athleticism for a guy of his size really stood out to me. Uh, couple other names that stood out as well. Uh, Kaiser White uh, for, for West Virginia plays the quote-unquote spur or strong safety or nickel safety. Uh, he Kind of the K.J. Dillon role that used to be there at West Virginia. He's, he's playing out in the slot. He's playing up in the line of scrimmage. He's playing forward against the run. Uh, this dude's a big hitter. This is actually uh, one of the brothers of Kevin White, the wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. And I thought he had a very good game showcase of his, showcasing his explosiveness. There were a couple reps in coverage in which he, he was a little soft at the top of route stems. Um, and he missed a, a pass breakup or interception opportunity that could have potentially changed and altered the game because it was a third down and long uh, that was caught inside a five that White was diving and laying out for, that the ball simply just went through his hands, and, and it led to a touchdown for the Hokies. But uh, by and large, that play aside, if you're looking for kind of a long, rangy, kind of nickel safety type of guy, uh, he's a senior, he's explosive, he's flat, fast to close. I thought he had a great game. Uh, Justin Crawford, who I already mentioned, he's a senior. Uh, Joe, he's a high-cut uh, f fast, straight line, uh, 
explosive cut style runner. Does that remind you of any running backs that have come out in the past couple years? Think big names. This this came upon me at the game on Sunday. High cut, straight line runner? Yep, high cut, straight line speed with some explosive lateral cuts, but not necessarily a grinder in between the tackles. Hmm. Uh... Deonta Foreman? AFC West, my friend. AFC West. Uh, Kareem Hunt? Los Angeles San Diego Chargers. Brandon Oliver? No, high cut. Melvin Gordon? Melvin Gordon. He's, his, he runs exactly like Melvin Gordon. Now, I'm not saying he's as good as Melvin Gordon, because he's not. He's much more prone to go down on first contact. Um, I don't think his vision is quite as good. But you get him one-on-one with somebody in space. And you watch him you know, create a miss, and then the explosiveness that he has once he's into the alley uh, had some echoes of a poor man's version of Melvin Gordon. And that, that kind of came on to me throughout the course of the game. So uh, just to summarize, I thought the best players on the field for this game were Will Greer, Kaiser White, Gary Jennings, Adonis Alexander, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker, and then the only other guy I didn't talk about is Cam Phillips from Virginia Tech. And I was interested to see how they were going to use him. I said in the summer I did a film assessment on him. I thought he was kind of like a niche slot guy, and I still think that even though he had a huge game production-wise, he ate so much against off coverage. When you put guys on the line of scrimmage to challenge him, for example, uh, Mike Daniels Jr. was the the corner number four for West Virginia that was up on him a lot. Daniels showed out really well when he was challenging him at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Phillips, uh, I don't think he has like a trump card athletically, so that's kind of a limiting factor for him as far as when I look at his upside, but uh, he caught the ball well. he was combative after the catch. You know, last year they used him a lot in the screen game and getting getting the ball out quickly to him in the flats and letting him just kind of be a ball carrier. So looking for, as this season goes on, some more technical route running for him to help him kind of grow into a full receiver-style role. Uh, but he, there's no denying he was the best offensive weapon the Hokies had. And uh, you know, hat tip to Coach Fuente and, and the rest of the Hokies for – know, gutting out what was kind of a back-and-forth slugfest throughout most of the night. Kyle, let's talk about some quarterbacks, man. Uh, it's interesting because I feel like the the buzz of this class going into the season, and it's been one week, so there's not any hard-line stances or evaluations being done yet, but it was Josh Allen, Sam Dartle. Those guys dunk it up in the debuts. But two guys didn't, and, and they're guys that we didn't get a chance to really talk about on the Monday show, because quite honestly, we're not going to talk about stuff that we don't have hardline opinions on and uh, you know, that we haven't taken the time to prepare ourselves to talk about, but that's different now. And and we could talk about Josh Allen first, or excuse me, Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson. And uh, you know, Josh Rosen, the game just hadn't happened yet by the time we recorded Monday's podcast. But how about that performance, man? This is, this is a team. UCLA team is down 44 to 10 in the quarter. With two minutes left in the fourth or in the third quarter. I mean, yeah, like not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not like the start, like late into the, almost the fourth quarter. And uh, Josh Rosen just became an animal working the middle of the field, hanging in the pocket, making tough throws, 
showing good touch, a little bit of luck. Let's not let's not overlook. There was a lot of luck involved here. Some of these balls that found their way, but I think there was a lot to take from this performance in terms of how he battled back, how he was composed, his moxie, his accuracy at times in the middle of the field. Given the circumstances of being way down, being criticized for not loving football, being uh, coming off of a shoulder injury, and he comes out and leads leads a uh, a thirty four point comeback with basically seventeen minutes left in the game. I mean, I mean that that's that's special stuff, man. And uh, you know, it's uh, is good to see. And, and you know, I think he's they've got something to build off. I think there's a lot. I think you can you can look at performances like this. I mean, as a team, I don't think UCLA has the talent uh, that they should probably where they've been in the last eh, three to six years, probably. Uh, but this is a a big win for them early in the season to get some momentum. And, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Rosen more this year. And, and he certainly has has uh, has some buzz around him right now early in the season, kind of immediately taking that away from Allen and Darnold. I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. Uh, he got the snot kicked out of him Yeah, in that game. Uh, the first half, uh, I'm watching the first half of this game on Monday, actually, and uh, I'm kind of wondering, like, how in all things holy did they turn this game around? Because you watched the first half of that game, and there was so little. There was no protection, no separation. He's just throwing the ball away to survive. You know, every time he makes a throw and the camera cuts back to him, there's literally an offensive line picking him up off the ground. Like, and just to to withstand that storm and beating, and just, you know, kind of, you know, you said it in the post-game interview. He said, you know, it's... It, at some point, you just turn it into play football. It's one possession at a time. You just go out and execute. And they really found something that started working over the middle of the field. They started abusing number 16 in coverage. They went after him with that tight end again and again and again. Um, they had a couple route concepts that were really working out well for him. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, there were a couple of throws he shouldn't have made, right? And, and he got away with them. Like, they, they didn't make him pay. The one touchdown that went right through the defender's hands, it was a good read. It was a late read because he kind of locked in on his initial read when he was in his drop. If he would have seen that throw earlier, that guy could have walked into the end zone. But he came off the first read late, and he made the right decision. It was just late, and he was getting hit, so that ball was not where it needed to be. Um so there's there's good and bad here, but Joe, as you said, just the the mental fortitude to withstand the beating that he took in the first half and then just turn it into 17 minutes of, quote-unquote, just play football, just execute yeah. and go out and do it. When you have to throw the ball the entire second half because you're losing by 34 points, I'm, I'm willing to understand you're going to make some bad decisions because – the other team is blitzing you with five or six guys every single play, and they're still hitting you, but you're getting the ball off, isolating some middle-of-the-field matchups, taking some chances down the field. Uh, he extended some plays nicely. Uh, the, the touchdown to bring them within one score that was into the left side of the end zone uh, 
really gutsy throw, but I liked the throw because his receiver had leverage when he when he pulled the trigger. So uh, that was a throw that was on the move. He was rolling to his left. So there's a lot to take out of this good. I think it was a good chance for him to kind of shake off the rust and, and hopefully things pick up. But this team's got to do better around him or else he's going to be killed by halfway through the season. Yeah. yeah. So just a little side note here. Texas A&M ran for 382 yards and five touchdowns and lost the football game. Yeah. I mean, how, how often does that happen? <laughs> and, and so Georgia Tech says, hold my beer. They ran for 535 yards and six touchdowns and lost the football game. I don't, I don't that's, there's gotta be some type of a record here in terms of rushing yards in losses. In losses, yeah. I just and, and I the just, time of possession thing that you said for for Georgia Tech just kills me. <laughs> Forty forty one minutes and change time of possession, and you lose a football game. Just uh, got to the game. It's about making plays, man. It's uh, uh, it's crazy, crazy stuff that uh, those teams came away with losses. But uh, I know he's not draft eligible, man. But. Travion Williams, the running back for Texas A&M, is yeah. just in another planet, man. He's he's special. Um, fun to watch. We'll keep an eye on him as time goes on. But he's not eligible this year, so don't ask us where we have him in our draft. Boards. You know that's coming. Oh, for sure. That's I'm like, at least going to ask you on Twitter. You know that, right? That's, that's like I put out a mock draft on Friday, or I'm sorry, on Monday, and I got ten times the backlash for the draft order than I did for the picks even though the third sentence of the article clearly states draft order is determined by current Las Vegas betting odds for Super Bowl. And I got double-digit complaints, Joe. <laughs> double-digit complaints about why I was low on their team. Man. Guys, it's almost like, yeah. Pro tip, read the lead. The lead is there to help you. Help me help you feel better about what I'm putting out there. Just read the lead. That's all I ask. Uh, but, Joe, you said uh, the A&M running back was not draft eligible, but you know who is draft eligible? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Uh, Joe, I'm curious, did you happen to catch any of, of Jackson's performance? I know I, no. I went through it today, actually, and kind of itemized like all, all the throw attempts. No, I didn't, but I saw a tweet from NDT Scouting today that told me if he keeps it up, he's quarterback one. Oh, man. So yeah. I wanted to hear this <laughs> NDT Scouting talk about that. He, I'm, I'm really impressed with a couple things. Now, if you go back and watch Lamar as a freshman and then compare him to where he was last year when he won the Heisman, uh, really impressive jumps, but still not there as a pocket passer. Still sometimes a little too quick to duck and run. Sometimes will miss an uncovering receiver down the field due to pressure or because he drops his eyes. Um, I thought he played an immaculate football game against Purdue on Saturday. Uh, I'm impressed by how he's filled out his frame. He's apparently put on 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. You can see it. He looks thicker. He looks good. Uh, He ran tough. He wasn't getting shell-shocked in the pocket when he was hit. And he was throwing on schedule, Joe. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, There were a number of reps that were NFL route concepts where you have an in-breaking pattern, a hook pattern, and you have a flat uh, 
the swing pass out, out into the flat to kind of drag down that cover two corner that's squatting in the flats. And he's taken three step drops out of the gun, back foot hits the ground, hitches and throws the ball to the hook in between zone coverage. Number of those throws, a, a really great climb the ladder throw against cover two on a key third down late in the game uh, to hit his back foot, hitch, climb the ladder, and then just rope one directly in between squatting linebacker on the second level and both safeties in, in the halves of the field. So just the the NFL throws that were there, he's always made some NFL throws going back to last year, but it was the consistency in the timing and structure that he worked in and how comfortable he was back foot hits, ball is out. That really stood out to me. Uh, another thing, I actually just broke this down on the website that, that stood out was there was uh, – one pass in particular was a third and five that he threw in the first quarter away from his own defender that was squatting in an area. He had a route releasing up the field. And just like what I talked about with Will Greer, he made his receiver adjust to the football to protect the ball and the receiver from his own defender. And what he did on this throw that really stood out to me is Jackson last year had kind of a poor habit of when he's catching the ball out of the gun, and he's just trying to make like a short throw or a touch throw. He threw it kind of flat-footed. There was no weight transfer. It was all arm. It led to a lot of variability with his placement on his throws. So on this third and five out of the gun, he's facing a double-A gap blitz. He feels comfortable sitting there on his platform waiting for the route to uncover. His guard's getting bowled over by a blitzing linebacker. And when he throws, he steps into the throw. It was beautiful because I found an example from last year's film in which he was facing NC State and he throws on the five-yard line, he throws a flat-footed touch throw that was trying to go to the back of the end zone and he tried to put it up over top of a linebacker. And then it ended up hitting the uprights. It was like way high, it got away from him. And you could see when he threw, he kept, both feet stayed in place and he just kind of tried to like soft toss it. And the ball really got away from him. Well, this was one of those throws that if he does all arm here and his lower hip, uh, his hips and lower body is rigid with his release, this ball's going to get away from him. It's going to go high. There are safeties back off in the middle of the field that can challenge to intercept the throw. And it's just a basic adjustment of sticking into a throw. Like those kind of technical improvements for him are the things that are going to help him with his accuracy and completion percentage and consistently putting the ball where he wants to, which is what he did on that specific throw. Uh, over 300 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, 21 carries for over 100 rushing yards. He's always had the eye-popping stats, but it's how he got there that made me so impressed with him. Yeah, it sounds like some really encouraging growth, and I know that you'll get to have eyes on him again this weekend. You're covering the North Carolina-Louisville game for yes, NDT scouting, so uh, it'll be... Uh, more takes on Lamar Jackson, and hopefully that that growth will continue because uh, what you just described is exactly what we needed to see from him. And uh, you know, it's it's good it's good when players get better, right? Like we don't want to ignore some of the flaws that he had in the past, but it it shows a commitment to improving their craft and and uh, and and just their, speaks to their work ethic. That you know, notable issues in the game. You know things that he needed to do to help that Louisville football team, and then uh, also help himself as a prospect have have really manifested themselves with his performance so far against Purdue. So let's hope that continues against North Carolina. Kyle, any any last thoughts here before we close? It's a great time to be alive, man. 
Yeah, man, it That's is. It. It's a. That is it, and and that uh, that will do it for us today here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. We'll be back again for you on Friday. We're going to preview the weekend ahead of us in college football. Uh, every weekend in college football is important, uh, but we'll be uh, giving you a breakdown of the games and the prospects you need to focus on who have key uh, matchups. So don't miss it. Hit that subscribe button. Stay connected with us. Follow us on Twitter. Kyle's at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. NDT Scouting has its own Twitter handle, which is at NDT Scouting. LLC. We have a ton of good content on the site right now. Get over there and, and, and get familiar with these prospects uh, uh, because if if you don't know who your favorite team drafts next April, it is not our fault because we are putting in the work right now. So check out ndtscouting.com. We'll be back again on Friday signing off for Kyle Krabs. I'm Joe Marino, and thank you for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.